Father, thank you for this beautiful day, for the opportunity to come here to this new place of worship that you've given us for now. With your children, Lord, this part of your body, help me, Lord, to articulate the things that you have shown me, that these, your children could be helped, healed everywhere they hurt, empowered in their Christian life. Give them revelation of your love for them and prosper them in every way. And all those who hear this message anywhere, anytime around the world, we're praying for you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All sin starts with a thought. And... We are emotional beings. Amen. (laughs) We are created in our Father's image, and He is an emotional being. Amen. He has all the same emotions that we do, or the potential for them. The world by and large, is governed, ruled by their emotions. That's what runs their life. They recognize that they have emotions, but they don't take any responsibility for them. In other words, I can't help how I feel. I fell out of love with this person I can't help that I don't like this person I can't you know all these things they say they can't help God says different so how do you reconcile so we have to figure out Proverbs 23:7 said as a man thinketh or woman in his heart so is he so we, our life is going to go the predominant way of our thoughts. You're not going to consistently perform differently than you think. In other words, it's going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> you, you don't believe that? Just add alcohol. Yeah, Wow. You've been sitting on that one for a while. (laughs) And then sometimes they may say things they don't need. Wrong spirit. Amen. (laughs) Romans 8 verse 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So when we're governed by our emotions, we're in the flesh. That's carnal. You can be a carnal Christian and not have much success in the Christian life. 
And carnal doesn't always mean sinful. It's just natural. You know, sometimes we're just going about our day-to-day routine and we have no mind, no thought of God in the process, you see. But he says, those whose minds are stayed on me, I will keep them in perfect peace. He said, well, I got to go to work. I got kids to raise. I got, I, got, I got problems. You don't understand. I can't just go around thinking about God all day, sitting on a cloud. Yes, you can. You thinking about something? You thinking about your problems? You thinking about your worries, your cares, your negative co-worker? I'm here to tell you that you can govern your emotions instead of them governing you. We are called to take every thought into the obedience of Christ. Amen. Yet, one negative experience can distort a person's perception of themselves for an entire lifetime. Someone told a a beautiful person they were ugly when they were a child. And they'd always seen themselves that way. You know, something, a traumatic event can happen. A crime can be committed against someone in all their various forms. And it will change that person. It will alter their outlook and perception of humanity and of the world and of life itself. But there's always somebody else who's been through that same thing who seems to prosper. It's a choice. It's a choice. Psychology teaches the world people come to psychologists and and I'm not against anyone. It's like there's a 12-step program out there for alcoholics and and, uh, addicts of all kinds. Not against that. If that's all you have, good for you. It's helped a lot of folks. But I'm telling you, there's a better program. Just like I told you all about my surgery or, or some of the things we have to do to get the help we need to stay alive. Just because it wasn't God's best doesn't mean God thinks any less of me. Amen. I'm still going to believe for God's best and know that it is available. And He doesn't love me any less. Never will. And my place in heaven, my name written in the book of life is not based on my works anyway. It's based on my trust in the works of my Lord and King and Savior. Amen. But psychology will teach people with low self-esteem to shift the blame, right? Take the blame off of yourself, all this rejection and everything, and place it where it belongs. And now here's the, you know, you're, you're part of a dysfunctional family, you know? It's not your fault, it's your family's fault. Don't you see that that was wrong the way they... 
raised you and the way they talked to you, the way they did things to you. Or, you know, uh, you were born the wrong uh, gender, you know. As a woman, you weren't going to stand a chance because of these, these terrible men, you know. Or it can go the other way. You know, you hear a lot about misogyny, but there's a word called misandry that people don't know. It's just the opposite of misogyny. It's, just, it's the hatred of men, you know. Both exist. People are mad at God. You know, it might be a minority thing. You know, well, I, I never stood a chance because of the race that I was born. Or you might be subject to some form of bigotry. All things that do exist, but should not define a person. It started way back in Genesis. Remember when God came to Adam and Eve in the garden? In Genesis 3.12, Adam says, it's that woman you gave me. He blamed Eve and then she turned around and blamed the snake. You see? Same thing. The problem is, it's not others who are our problem. If it's, we're in big trouble if it is. Because God didn't give us authority to change people. He didn't give us power to change other people. Did he? So if they're part of the problem, they have to be part of the solution. And there's no guarantee there, is there? We don't know if they're going to change and do things our way. <laughs> Chances are, not consistently. Right? He didn't give us authority to control others. So it's a choice to get to, to be bitter or to get better. You know, psychology doesn't go as far as telling people that God can change them and free them from the destructive uh, things that entangle them. Bitterness, anger, and hatred, depression, and hurt of all kinds. Deuteronomy 30 Verse 19, God gives us a promise and a challenge all in the same passage of Scripture. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and length of days. Man, that is powerful. Life and death. And then the choice is ours. See, God gave us a free will, didn't He? God will not, cannot choose for you. Neither can the devil. And neither can other people. It's our choice to make, and we have to decide which way we're going to go. John fifteen five. Jesus says, without me, you can't do nothing. 
Nothing. I mean, it's like, well, sure, I can do some things apart from Jesus. Not anything that he calls something. Think about that. Besides that, you can't even walk across this floor right here without God. All he got to do is take his finger and scramble up your brain a little bit. And you'll never walk across the floor again. Of course, he's not in the business of doing that. That's the other guy. He gets blamed for this sort of thing. And that's why people get mad at God. It's really the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God, Jesus, came that we might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. Haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth? Who God anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now that's, that's our God. Amen. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we have to wonder what God is like, what the Father is like. Just look at Jesus. And it's all good. It's all good. We talked last week about he said some hard things. And it's always offensive, this word, to those who are living apart from it. But when we submit and get ourselves out of the way, it's beautiful. And it's freeing. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor, weary. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. He's not just talking about those who are worn out from digging ditches and and doing physical labor, is he? Where do we get tired mostly? Yeah, that's what will wear you out quicker than anything, I've found. Stress, worry, all these things that we're saying today that God has given us power over. And that's what we need to learn to grasp. But Jesus said in Mark 8, verse 34, that we have to deny ourselves. This is worth worth looking at because if you have a pen, just circle it, underline it. Matthew, Mark. Mark 8, 34. We're looking at solutions. Not here to ever just point out our problems or to bring condemnation. God sheds light on things that we struggle with. Why? Because he's trying to give us the solution, the answers. And again, if we never ever change and we live in fear and worry and condemnation and guilt and all that the rest of our lives, does God hate us for it? No. Does he cry? Is he sad because of it? Yeah. Why? Because he wants his best for us. That's all. There's no condemnation. But there's opportunity, you see? Opportunity to live according to the Spirit of God. And not after the flesh. Because, didn't it say that those who live according to the flesh, that's death. But those who live after the Spirit, that's life. Mark 8.34, before I get too sidetracked. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he, Jesus, said to them, If anyone would come after me. Alright, let's just see who's in that category here. Anyone would come after the Lord Jesus. Okay, he gave three steps. 
Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I submit to you that those are stages. You can't even begin to serve the Lord, to take up your cross and follow him until you deny yourself. First Corinthians 1 verses 27 and 28. I'm going to read that to you as well. Because we're getting to the root of the problem and the solution. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Now are these the wise in God's eyes? No. He's talking about the people of the world that consider themselves wise. You know them. <laughs> They're the most popular people also in the world. Which God says, watch out. If everyone likes you and approves of you. We all want to be liked. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with having friends. But don't make that your goal. To have everyone's approval. Amen. Seek God's approval and let the chips fall where they may. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And I have here, and mean it in parentheses. <laughs> Not just saying it, right? But meaning it. The point here is, if our self-esteem is rooted in our own accomplishments then they will ultimately fail won't they the Bible says we glory in our shame I heard a guy one time he says we, we frame our shame and hang it on the wall <laughs> look what I've accomplished you know Nothing wrong with an education. Don't get me wrong. But if that's what you're relying upon, is that's what you, your accomplishments, your own personal strength, your own personal wisdom, and your personal accomplishments is what identifies you and makes you who you are and gives you the pride of life. You're in, you're in danger there. If nothing else, you will eventually get older. Your strength will fail. Your beauty will fade. All the things that made you so successful and powerful, <clears throat> when you lose your strength and your ability to, to uh, be used or utilized by others with your, all your authority and power, they will forget about you very quickly. 
The world doesn't stop for anyone. As you get older, you see that. The more and more funerals you go to. And then the next day, you know, it's just life as usual. You know, or they run by and sign the book and that's it. And I mean, I'm not expecting people to do any more, but I just say it's a hard-hitting fact of life. So when we start thinking about what's it all about and what are, what are really my life goals and that sort of thing, which there are things in life that make us pause and think about these things. The truth is, as you get closer to the Lord, it needs to, that needs to be the focus and the aim. You need to be storing up treasures in heaven instead of here on the earth. You're only here for a flicker, not to put a damper on life. God wants you to live a full life all the days He's written for you to be successful in every way, spirit, soul, and body. But giving Him the glory Giving Him the credit. Knowing who your source is. We know that God is our provider. We know that God is the source of our health. Even going to the doctor. Doctors and medicine can help you. But only God can heal you. And we look forward to big paydays. And windfalls. And checks in the mail. And all those things. But even then. It's always... Thank you, Lord. Because without Him, He's given us... I, I think it's Deuteronomy 8.18. I've got so many scriptures already. <laughs> don't forget... When you, when you get wealth, He says, Don't forget the Lord your God who has given you the, the power to obtain wealth. God gave us that ability. And we need to remember that. The secret... To success in the Christian life is not self-improvement, but self-denial. Amen. So that Christ can live through us. Instead of self-esteem, Christ-esteem. You know? Magnify the Lord, that song says. For He is worthy to be praised. Galatians 2.20 is one of my favorite scriptures. Just a few pages over right before Ephesians. Galatians 2.20. Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law or works, then Christ died for no purpose. Jesus is our source. The Bible teaches us to reckon ourselves dead. You know how... Means to reckon. I reckon so. You need to see this reality. If you've really received Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you died with Him on the cross. Amen? 
And now the life that you're living is not you, but Christ who's living or trying to live through you. Amen. So, what are we saying in all this? Does God want us to have a bad self-image? Low self-esteem? Well, the answer this way depends on which self you're talking about. Is that fair? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Again, what he's saying is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That, because the, the hard thing about this for people to wrap their minds around is the understanding of spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 explains that we are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body, created in God's image. Amen? And John 4.24, when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he tells her God is a spirit. He created us in His image. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. We're talking about living life after the Spirit, not after the flesh. To understand these things that I say you have, you have to understand who you are in a part of you that you cannot discern with your natural senses. And that's hard. That's why they call it faith. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. That's why we need this book. That's why the enemy comes so hard against this amazing book written by God to us. That's why the world wants to say that it's not relevant. That it was written by men a long time ago about God. This old stories. And then they begin to pick it apart and take out things. that, And try to convince you that even though these were men with well meaning. They didn't really understand it. And God has evolved and so forth and so on. And once you take one thing out of here, remember the first scripture I think that we talked about was in Timothy, where it says that all scriptures God breathed. First Timothy three sixteen. Or second. It's definitely three sixteen. But that has to be foundational. We have to believe that and know that because it's true. Those with the Spirit of God. I remember when I thought I was a Christian. My wife and I were raised just like most people in our country. (laughs) Sure, we're Christians, you know. And uh, I even remember talking to some folks on the bar stools at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, about Jesus. I was going to hell. Not because I was sitting on a bar stool. (laughs) but because I never had really received him as my Lord and Savior. Sammy said he just finished the book on 9-11, which is interesting because the last chapter is about 9-1-1. But I start out talking about how I'd been baptized a couple of times, once drunk, and all I got was wet. (laughs) 
Ephesians 4 and 24. Are, are, are y'all getting anything out of this? Okay, good, good. Ephesians 4, verse 22 through 24 says to put off your old self. See, this is a choice. If it's saying to put it off, there's something for you to do. If I tell you to put something here or there, I, there's a, that's an instruction and there's something required of you, right? Paul is saying, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, the old man is corrupt and at his very best or her very best is incapable of living the Christian life. Hello. The problem is that is the self that most people try to patch up and feel good about. They think of Christianity as behavior modification. Oh, this person changed their life. But all the while, you know, I know for a long time after I really got born again, there were, you know, everybody, especially my family, had, had one eye on me. Like, you know, a leopard doesn't change his spots, you know. Things just got so bad you needed to run for cover or, you know, all these different stories. But when it really happens, it really happens. And you understand that it's not about behavior modification. It's not about patching up the old guy and making him better. It's not about changing your life. It's about exchanging your life. Amen. We have to reckon ourselves dead. Die to the old self and find our new identity in Christ. Remember when he told me to leave that, that church where I was the pastor and the new office and all that? And he says, well, are you ready to, do you trust me? Are you ready to take up your identity in me alone? Yes, sir. Get your stuff and get out of here. Uh, it was sort of like when he told her that, that rich young man that came to him and said, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And he was very wealthy. And the Lord said, ah, he saw his problem by the Spirit. He said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the guy was like, oh, <laughs> well, I never. <laughs> and he didn't even give a dollar, and he walked away with his head down. That was his problem. Boing, boing, boing. See, the devil knows our problems, too. And if we think we're going to patch up this old man and just make him better, the devil is going to wait just for the right time. No, we have to get rid of the old man. You see, and if we're born again, that's already done. Our spirit is renewed. The old sin nature is gone. Nothing compelling us anymore to, to agree with Satan. But it's still a choice. We can still sin with the best of them. But nothing making us do it anymore. Our daddy is not Satan anymore. It's God. It was Satan. And people don't like hearing that. Especially, I've noticed especially when people have children sitting with them. 
It's like every one of us born has got the devil as their daddy. Oh, don't talk about my baby like that. Well, you know, they're safe for a while until they understand. <laughs> and then they're just like the rest of us. It's based on their choices regarding the Son of God in this life. But the new man, so in our spirit, again, it's done. And all of the peace, love, and joy that we'll ever need is right there in our spirits. Galatians 5.22. All the fruit of the Spirit, the nature of God, of Christ is in us. And it says our new man is just like Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17. The scriptures are important because otherwise it's just me talking. You know, I... I never wanted to be one of those preachers that gives a scripture in the beginning and then talks for 45 minutes about that, you know. I, I don't have that much to say. I want, I want you to know what God has to say about everything. And I want everything I say to be backed up by the Word of God. Because this is the only thing that I know that we can depend on. And the only thing that's going to be here when everything else is gone. So 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Amen. And then first John, a little further back. First John 417. Sorry. Fingers are not going that fast. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, Jesus, so also are we in this world. So in our born again spirit, we just like Jesus. Doesn't mean we look like him, but it means we have the same nature. Peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things are abiding fruit of the Spirit that lives in us. And we can draw on those things. And how do they get more prevalent in our life? How do your muscles get stronger? With use. Yeah, with exercise. Same thing with all the fruit of the Spirit. Because we work it out. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Work out that which is already within. Because then it has to come through the soulish realm. That's mind and will and emotions that we're talking about today. That in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul begs us, he beseeches us based on God's goodness and everything he's done for us to renew our minds according to the word of God. Not be conformed to this world. Because this is where our help is. When everything that comes at us every day, choices, decisions, others' actions, choices of our actions, when it all is filtered through this Word, we're bouncing everything off of this, oh, it helps. It makes our lives so much easier. Because by then you've said, if God said it, that settles it. Now, are we always going to be perfect in this? No. Is our born-again spirit perfect? Yes. Do we have the mind of Christ, the nature of God in us? Yes. But we have a, a free will 
And we have a mind that is corrupted by the world and, and you know, garbage in, garbage in. These eye gates and ear gates all our life. And this is the only thing that counters that. So how much more of that trash has gone in than this? Well, it's no wonder we struggle. You know, we don't go very long without eating in the natural. But this is our spiritual food, the manna from heaven. And, you know, we're trying to get by on one cold snack a week. (laughs) It's not very cold. It's a hot meal if you come here. Amen. (laughs) But if we let the, the new man dominate us, we'll walk in power and victory in every area of our life. That's the point. We don't fix up the old self. We just live out of the new self. And once, and, and I, it helped me just knowing that that was a thing. You know, if, if it's someone else is my problem, then I'm stuck. But if it's something in me, my thinking about that problem that, that can be adjusted, well, then there's hope because I can partner with God and he can help me to change. Amen. Jesus in John chapter 14 on the most devastating night of these disciples lives well until they were all martyred I suppose but their Lord and King was being taken away from them and he had just explained it all to them again how he was going to die and and he had told Peter how he was going to deny him that night he had told that one of them was going to betray him and he was going to be crucified all that, and then he opens up John 14. Said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on and on about this, saying how the Holy Spirit's going to come and help him. And he says in John 14 27, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's like, wow, if he's telling me this, then it must be, there must be a way to do that. My peace I give to you, he said. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world do I give unto you. In other words, I'm not taking it back. Not canceling it out. Then our part. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You say, man, that's, that's easy for you to say. No, it was easy for Jesus to say. He said that to some young men who were about to be devastated. Their world's torn apart. He said, but don't worry. <laughs> And he had just given them a gift, a personal gift. This, this gift that allowed him to be asleep in the back of the boat when it was, they were about to go down in the big storm, right? The peace that when a crowd had gathered around him at the edge of the town and was going to throw him off the cliff, he just walked right through the middle of him. Nobody touched him. How can I know if my thoughts and emotions are from the new man or from the old man? God's word is the key. Just like we're saying here. John 6.63 is that scripture where Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. So we turn to the word. You have to get to know the word of God and, and find the promises pertaining to you. There's a promise for every part of your life. Everything you're going through. If you're angry with somebody, you're in the flesh. It's that simple. You're going to maybe get angry today. The enemy's going to try to steal this word from you when you leave here. You know that. Knowing that helps me. 
because I know to protect him. I learned his tactics and his wiles a long time ago. I know he's going to try to get me in a fight with my wife on the way to church every time. Did not happen today, thank God. (laughs) But, you know, knowing that, I mean... That's what I tell my wife about our ch- our kids. They're all grown, but I say if, if they would only see this this spiritual issue as a as a spider, <laughs> like our daughter, if she saw it as a spider or a bug on her, she'd get it off. And if she knew she had that same authority in the spiritual realm, she would do it. You know, we all would do it. <laughs> and we just want the best for everybody. That's why this is so important. If if we're fearful, we're in the flesh. Now, this is where it gets touchy because, hey, I, I don't know what it's like to be you. I don't know what it's like to be a woman. But listen, you don't know what it's like to be that woman, you know, sitting next to you. I don't know what it's like to be that man. We all go through life, and it ain't easy. But with God, it can be awesome. And He has great things in store for us. Amen? Amen. If we find out that we, we realize we're angry, and we know that's not one of God's attributes, it's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control, what do we do? Repent. Change your mind. That's all repentance is. It's just a change of mind that brings about a corresponding change in actions regarding the things of God. You know, and it's it's really that simple. Just about face in that particular area. Realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's one of the best things you can remember. Because sometimes it's a, like I know that, but this this one this, this one is definitely my enemy. No, it's the enemy's influence on them. But God loves that person. He died for that person too. And, and he doesn't want them to be under the influence of the enemy. And the best thing you can do is pray for them. And sometimes just poking the bear, just, just getting in there, just coming back and just, you know, just don't give them scripture when they're mad and irate. Go pray for that person because that's not going to bring about the things that you're after. Don't, we're not out to be right. We out to be reconciled. Amen. So, so just repent. Get back in the spirit. Get out of the flesh. Get back in the spirit where all the peace, love, and joy are, according to Galatians 5, 22 through 24. Fear, though, is the, is the thing that, and fear is such, a, such an onion. So many layers, you know. Depression, anxiety, worry, anger, fear-based. Fear is not of God. Second Timothy 1.7 God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know? So when sometimes when I'm when I fear when I'm fearful, I, I feel depressed or angry. I I speak this. I know this because this truth, there's power. So so what do we do? We we, we the word is the is key, and then what do we do with it? Just knowing it is not the only thing we need. We need to use our authority. Jesus said, I've given you my authority. All authority over the power of the devil. The works of the devil. Not over the devil, but anything 
that he tries to come against you, with you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue rising up against me I shall condemn, for this is the inheritance of the children of God. So what I have to condemn words that are spoken against me. You're going to die. No, I'm not. I will not die, but live and proclaim the works of the Lord. You know, you, and... You can't microwave this relationship. This is a relationship with the living God. When you're speaking out your authority and, and His promises, you know, and, uh, yeah, people talk about, oh, I'm sick, and then they call it theirs. My this, my that, my cancer, my diabetes. Well, that, none of those things are mine. And if I were you, I wouldn't call them yours either. It's You, you need to see yourself as someone who is healed by Jesus' stripes, you were healed 2,000 years ago. See yourself as the healed, as the redeemed, as the prospered. And then you're just fighting off the things that are trying to come against you. Instead of trying to get God to do something that you don't know if He will or will not do. Much harder to get a prayer received from God that way. Than just to know that He's already provided it. And you're just resisting someone He's given you complete authority over. Amen. Strengthen your prayer life. Quality time with God. Amen. Amen. Speak to the mountains in your life. It will move. Believe when you pray that you have what you prayed for and you shall have it. This is the words of our King. Who cannot lie. Amen. Father, thank you for this day and for your precious word. Thank you for these truths that you've helped us with today. We just ask that they take root and bear fruit in our lives, that we hang on to them tightly, that we mold these truths over, that we revisit these truths and make them our own. They become revelation knowledge. Give us, give us revelation knowledge of the things that we do have in you, according to the prayers of Paul in Ephesians. We thank you, Lord, for loving us so much. Help us with all these truths that we might help others in turn. In Jesus' name, amen.